Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am half of your usual uh, starting lineup. My name is Jeff. Joining me uh, from the Pacific Northwest is the top end of our order, the other half of the squad. It's Mark A. Johnson. Mark, how you doing? Oh, man, it's uh, it's been a fun week. I got to tell you, Jeff, I spent the weekend at the ballpark working high school games. So it's kind of like my own personal spring training. I think I watched like half a spring training game and then I realized I was done and just wanted to see real baseball. That counts. <laughs> yeah. You would hit the fast forward button. I know you. Yeah. I just spring training's great for that first day and then I'm ready to go. But I'm an A's fan, so I'm kind of not ready. I'm could really kind of care less at this point. I don't know. I Your A's got a bunch of strangers on that team. If I were to go to a game, which I am not, uh, I would definitely need to buy a program because I couldn't tell you half of the team half of the starting nine whoever's going to start on opening day i have a hard time telling you who that would be but you, you what's weird though because the reds are kind of doing the same thing they're it's they're trading everybody except for joey Votto, apparently and yeah i'm a little disappointed because reds fans are getting all the sympathy Right. Like on social media, everybody's like, I just real I I really feel sorry for the Reds. I mean, they they made the playoffs two years ago and now they're tearing it down. Well, you know, the A's made the playoffs last couple of years before last year. Don't have any money. And what's even worse, though, is that the Reds were my National League team last year. That's who I watched when I wasn't watching the A's. And now I I, I don't watch Joey Votto, but there's nobody else there. I don't know. It's going to be a rough year. I might need to come up with some fallback teams, some new ones. Fallback teams, things to, to root for. Remember, we can always pull for Lars Newtbar. Boy, we're getting close to a Lars Newtbar update, I think. Well, well, let's hit his spring numbers up next next week, assuming he's played at that point. I, I haven't looked. I was going to look for this week, but I forgot. I did land the uh, Lars Newtbar rookie card. Now, hang on to that. That's publicly owned by all of Two Strike Noise. Oh, well, great. I want to sell my half high right now. <laughs> Lars is going to be a superstar. I'm telling you. Getting back to the Reds, we've talked about Bobby Bonilla many times and his getting paid. We've talked about Ken Griffey Jr. still getting paid all uh, Bobby Bonilla several times as well. As it stands right now, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. still getting paid just like Bobby. Griffey Jr. is going to be the sixth highest paid member of the Reds this year. If the uh, if the payroll stays as is, that's hilarious. Yikes! Of course, he last played in Cincinnati in two thousand and eight. So, I saw like the 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 Guardians like ten years ago or something. Their payroll was eighty million dollars or something, and right now it's at thirty five. Speaking of the Reds and Joey Votto, I mentioned him earlier. One of my favorite players. Uh, I we ta- I think we talked about it before, but Joey Votto loves to mop. Not does yeah. Joey, Joey Votto likes to likes to hit and do some other things that are some other common phrases that we we're not going to say the name here on this show. But he likes to do housework, and I love this about him. These are uh, some of his teammates. Some of the things that he would uh, text to them. He'll send me random videos of him mopping the house while he's listening to Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> uh, here's another one and uh, he sends me these videos and then here he comes across the frame doing a little dance and mopping then he goes off the screen it's just that that's all I get <laughs> so <laughs> I would love to see one of these mopping videos it really he's, he's not just a mopper he's a proud mopper yeah I mean gets down to the music with it uh he used to also be into cars he used to drive he used to have a very good collection of expensive cars like he'd be driving a new one every week and then all of a sudden he pulls up he's he's pulling up now in minivans so bronson royo was a teammate of joey Votto, and he asked him he said first of all the quote is dude where's your car at He's like, uh, and Joey was like, what car? And, and Bron says, I don't know, dude. You used to have a Mercedes last year. Then you had a Lambo. And this was, this was, uh, this was Vado's response. He says, no, no, I've got a minivan now. Check this out. And he's showing off how the door automatically opens. 
<laughs> and good news though it's apparently electric he's like i charge it during the game so that i can get home he is very proud of this minivan and and mopping this is an every man's player joey Votto. i love absolutely it. if if somebody doesn't like joey Votto, please show me that's like if you don't like dogs yeah it's, there's not a real good reason to dislike joey Votto. I don't know. I'm just looking at his numbers here. 15 years in the big leagues. He's going to be 38 this season. Still hitting a ton. I don't know. I, I picture him as like early 30s, but he's getting up there. But career lifetime on base of 416. Nice. He's led the league in walks five years out of his 15. A career average of 302 and a career OPS of 148. He has had a great career. MVP in 2010. He is a six-time All-Star. He's won a gold glove at first base in 2011. I'm saying Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm going to say it. And he only has 2,027 hits. But remember a couple of weeks ago, I went on the rant that does Mike Trout get in the Hall of Fame if he never plays another game? And apparently, I am on the the short end of the spectrum on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a few uh, comments on your uh, your Mike Trout. Hall I'm of sticking fame. by uh, it though. I'm sticking with it. That's cool. I mean, I did, but I, I definitely did get an earful from a couple of people. I think he'll play more games, so I think it's okay. But yeah, I think he's gonna be all right. Career war of sixty four point six for Joey Votto. I'll, I'll take that's that. impressive. All right, uh, a couple of other things here before we get into it. Some sad news from last week. And uh, Mark, I know you and I were were texting about this. Uh, Ralph Terry passed away last week. And if you've listened to our show for any length of time, you hear us talk about Ralph Terry quite often. He was generous enough to come on to our show a couple of uh, maybe maybe a year and a half ago. And we were absolutely floored that he agreed to come on the show and he was such a great guest. He was so gracious. He sent us both autographed copies of his book. He took, you know, a good chunk of his <laughs> this day and talked to us. He had such a great memory. He didn't mind talking about Mazeroski's home run. Uh, we got to talk about his uh, World Series MVP a couple of years later with the uh, with the Yankees against the Giants. And it was just such a thrill to talk to him and, and he was such a uh, you know a big part of the Yankees in the 1960s when Mantle and Maris and and you know really some very iconic players were there and Mark I thought it would be a good idea here just to to one you know again I I reached out to his family who had been in contact with and you know told them that our thoughts were with us and and thank them again for how gracious their their father had been to us but i think it might be a good idea just to play a little clip here mark this is a, a story that we uh were waiting uh, when we knew we were going to talk to him for him to tell and it is just a great one and if you haven't heard it before it's fantastic and if you have it's always worth re-listening to i was um i was playing for binghamton in the eastern league and uh we had an off day, and the Yankees were playing Cincinnati in a uh, in a uh, benefit game, an exhibition game in Cooperstown to raise money for the Hall of Fame. As annually, they do that. Two big league teams would play there, and we played Abner Double Day Field. And we had an off day; it was about an hour's ride from Binghamton. I I went over to I'd been in spring training with the Yankees, and uh, and so I get down to the third base dugout and. Uh, Jim Turner, the pitching coach, said to the guard there, he said, let that kid in. He can sit on the bench. It's an exhibition game. It's not a regular league game. And he said, sit down at the end of those three old-timers, Ralph. And uh, so I, I, I go down to the end, and uh, there are two in, the, two in the corner on my left and one on my right. And I'm in the two on the left were talking hitting, and I knew there was somebody. I didn't know who, you know, i off the farm in Oklahoma. <laughs> anyway, the guy on my right, he had a he had a cane and he had a big looked like a World Series ring or something on it. An old timer. Well, uh, he wasn't saying anything. We're sitting there, and, and this, well, the second inning, I thought, well, you know, uh, 
I'm a I'm a baseball player, pro, you know how to say say hello, you know, and I I turn and I said, Hi, Ralph Terry's my name. I'm a pitcher, Binghamton, Class A. And he said, Well, hi, Ralph. Cy Young's my name. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Shake hands with Ty Cobb and uh, and Zach Wheat, who was an old over there, inducted Wheat that year. And I shake hands with the greatest pitcher of all time, the greatest player, Ty Cobb and, and, and Cy Young and Zach Wheat. <laughs> and, uh, and they talked hitting the whole game. We turned, <laughs> Cy and I, you know, we took on and fishing and, and uh, low pitching, and they called the game after seven innings. It was a high-scoring game, and uh, Doubleday Field, they had like 10,000 people there in a little park, and they had bleachers built in the outfield built in, and it was like about 250 feet to the bleachers. There was a fly ball went in there. They got an automatic double. But anyway, it was uh, – but when the game was over, uh, Cy and Ty, they said, well, Ralph, have a good year, you know, and – Nice to meet you. They couldn't have been nicer. So if you, I'm, I'm going to also put in the show uh, notes here, a link to the episode when uh, Ralph joined us, if you want to listen to that all, if you haven't already, or maybe just revisit it. Just uh, a great guy. I'm so glad that we got to talk to him. And, you know, he, Mark, his memory was still so sharp. I mean, he remembered, you know, specific pitches that he threw oh. in the 60s and so forth. It's just, it was yeah. great. It was unbelievable because when I, I when I first got started chatting with him before we started the interview, he said, oh, I'm a little worried about my memory. I said, well, we'll just do what we can, we'll, you know. And then he's calling out, well, I started Ted Williams away with a, a curveball because you had to pitch him away if you were going to get away with anything. And I'm like, yeah, you have real trouble with your memory. <laughs> You're telling me a specific at bat that you faced Ted Williams. Yeah. I mean, Very that's impressive. Just, I... He ended up being our connection to that era, you know, to, to talk to a guy who played with and against some of the most amazing ballplayers that we talk about on our show all the time. And Ralph was, uh, what a guy, just an awesome guy. Yeah. So again, uh, our thoughts are with his family and uh, Ralph Terry uh, passed away last week. He was uh, 86 years old. That that was really sad when I saw that and uh, want to thank him and his family again. Uh, before we get into the last part of our BP segment here, Mark, I wanted to talk about uh, something that happened last weekend in Chicago. There was a big card show, autograph show there that uh, I didn't get to go to. Uh, yeah. But uh, I know a lot of people that did through some of uh, the groups that I'm on in social media, and especially the Ricky Henderson group that I'm uh, on. It's like the only thing I log on to Facebook for, but... There's a great Ricky Henderson collectors group there. And a lot of the members of that group went to Chicago because Ricky was there signing and they posted a bunch of video and pictures and stuff. And it was just it really made my weekend seeing these pictures and videos. It was Ricky was in a good mood. He's smiling. He is signing anything that gets in front of him. He's asking, what do you want to sign? Where do you want it? Just He's being so, you know, gregarious and just the the Ricky that I and everyone loves. So there's a video that I was watching that one of uh, one of the members posted and he's signing stuff. And in this video, who comes up behind him? But none other than Ricky's favorite player as a kid, Reggie Jackson, who was there signing as well and just puts his hand on his shoulder and Ricky turns around and sees it is. And they just talk for like two minutes. And the guy who's getting stuff signed is just. I mean, he doesn't care. He's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's Ricky and Reggie chalk. You know, they're just talking about stuff. And <laughs> and uh, it's weird, though, because Reggie is wearing an Astros hat. OK, now, not only that, but on the side of it, it says in in cursive, it says Mr. October in Astros orange. So this is clearly a custom made hat for Reggie Jackson. I, to my knowledge, he has never had any interaction with the Astros as a player or a coach of any sort. Am I am I missing something? I I have absolutely no knowledge of a connection between Mister October and the Houston Astros. No. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe is I don't know if he's coaching there now or what. But that is an odd hat to choose for Mr. October, <laughs> but okay, whatever. 
<laughs> You're Reggie Jackson. You can wear what you want, I guess. Did you know, right. by the way, I, I was kind of doing some some research over the weekend of either celebrity connections that, that players are related to or vice versa. I had, I don't know if we talked about this before, but Reggie Jackson is Barry Bond's cousin. Have we ever talked right. about that? Just in passing. I don't remember it because I, I really, yeah, that's, that is news to me. It might not be new news, but it still seems like, like news to me. So it's going to be, I mean, that is, that is the family connection with the most home runs. I've got to assume career home runs. <laughs> yeah. There's a few in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Good news here, Mark. This show is debuting on March 22nd. We have our very first debut of the season. We see we have we have now ramped up. It's yeah. time for real baseball. Yeah. So it is none other than Alex Guerrero. <laughs> the, the, yes, Alex the Guerrero. <laughs> Alex Guerrero. He played two years in the big leagues. He made his debut in 2014 today. And, you know, as any game that is this early in the season, it was the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks playing a series in Sydney, Australia at the Sydney Cricket Grounds. Oh, wow. I, I remember this. I mean, it was an odd field configuration. It is, you know, the cricket grounds are circular, so you can get that outfield. But the fans were way, way far away from 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 anywhere in the infield uh, he pinch hit in the ninth inning of the first game but then there was a pitching change for the diamondbacks and then guerrero was pinch hit for so no no ab in his first his <laughs> in his debut he didn't even get a swing the bat but as i said he played two years in the bigs then he went on to play in japan for three more seasons but my favorite thing i think about alex guerrero is that in 2014, while he was in AAA, he was involved in a dugout scuffle with his Albuquerque teammate and your favorite, Miguel Olivo. And in the <laughs> scrum, Olivo bit off a portion of Guerrero's ear, a la Mike Tyson. Oh my gosh, it's a pandemic. <laughs> ear biting. <laughs> now, I'm looking at this picture of Alex Guerrero on baseball reference. Uh, you can see there's a there's a four pictures of him. One of them is in the Isotopes jersey, the Albuquerque jersey. The other four, one he's in uh, uh, Yamiura Giants from from the uh, J- uh, Japanese league, and then two other pictures of him with the Dodgers, and his uh, part of his left ear is missing. So <laughs> that's absolutely is, frightening. Yikes! Come on. Now what? Now I know what you called him, but what did you call him, Miguel Olivo? We refer to him as Skillet. <laughs> That's not what you want to be referred to as a catcher, because you're right. You're catching stick surface. Yeah, yes. you're catching almost every pitch. But yeah, Miguel Olivo apparently hungry that game. All right, <laughs> let's head into trivia. I asked a question last week. I knew this was going to be a hard one, and I am so darn proud of myself. And I'll tell you why. As soon as I remind everybody of the question, the question was, when was the first time two Hall of Famers managed a game against each other? Now, the caveat here being these are Hall of Famers who went into the Hall of Fame as players, not as managers. So no Connie Mack. That doesn't count. No um, Tony La Russa, That doesn't count. These these guys all went in as managers. It's got to be guys that went in as players and then became managers. Mark, judging by the amount of correct answers we got from our listeners, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say there's probably not a great chance that you came up with the answer either. But I want to give you a chance. Um, yeah, did it involve old Haas Radburn? No, it did not. Then I don't have a guess. So we got plenty of questions. We got plenty of people asking for clarification, but we did not get a single correct answer. Wow. I'm very proud of myself here because this wasn't one you could just Google or use baseball reference with. 
So the correct answer, and and I'm going to hear collective groans, I'm sure. March 16th, 2015. Grapefruit League game between the Phillies and the Twins. Paul Molitor in the dugout for the Twins and Ryan Sandberg skipping the Philadelphia Phillies. So really little bit of a caveat. So what that tells you, though, and I did look it up, that Hall of Fame players who then went on to manage, as far as I can tell, have never opposed each other in a regular season game. Hmm. If I'm wrong, let me know. I'm, fe- I'm feeling pretty confident in this, though. There That's we go. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's get on. I got a new trivia question for you next week. Well, I'm going to give you the answer next week. I'm going to give you the question now. Who has the highest batting average in the first inning in Major League Baseball history? Now, I'm hmm. saying again here, batting average. Everybody knows if you've listened to this show. If I can if I can work Ricky Henderson into the trivia question, I'm going to do it. But I'm guessing Ricky might have the highest on-base percentage in the first inning in Major League Baseball. But just remember, you got at least the first three guys coming up in that first inning. So that's, you know, it's not just a leadoff batter. So who has the highest batting average in major league history in the first inning? Does it have anything to do with Tom Glavin? <laughs> no. And this guy never faced Glavin, which it, oh, would, have, okay. it would have been higher had he faced Glavin and his struggles <laughs> just, in the first inning. The first inning issues, you know, uh, we also have a quick fine here that we, uh, that we need to get to our buddy Marshall. I, I think he transcribes each of our podcasts and then goes through so that he can check word by word. When we were talking about uh, players that had uh, their their number retired by more than one team, it seems that we have we missed one or, or no, we didn't miss one. It was it was Casey Stengel, I said, had played for the Yankees, uh, but Casey Stengel obviously didn't play for the Yankees. He played for Brooklyn and later he played for the uh, for the New York Giants. Uh, he went in as a manager of the of the New York Yankees, not a player. So I do want to preface that we did, you know, we we you screwed up a little bit there, Mark. I'm going to put this one on you. So um, just sorry. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and, and give you the, the fine there. And then he also did mention Wade Boggs. So the Rays did I think was was it him or Conseco that they had originally signed on the contract that you've got to if you go into the Hall of Fame you have to wear a, a Rays hat. I thought I thought that was Boggs, but even though he's not wearing a Rays, yeah, hat MLB said that's not going to happen. But yeah, Wade Boggs, right. his number has been retired by both Tampa and Boston. We'll take the fine there. Uh, we'll take the fine for uh, Wade Boggs number in tampa which is 12 so that's 12 cents we'll put that on the tab yeah hey i'll be happy to pick that one up jeff okay cool i'll just all right port that one over to you all right mark let's let the ground crew come out and do their stuff uh not a whole lot to do this uh, this week this is a very short show for us uh we've had a week uh mark does anything electrical in your house work at this point <laughs> If, if I have touched it, it's broken. Mark, Trust is me. is Electro, is that the villain in uh, Spider-Man that uh, Jamie Foxx played in the in the last one? E- e- something like Mr. that. Mr. Electro, something like that. Anything Mark touches, he's got enough static electricity built up in him that he will zap anything. Uh, in fact, he's it's using true. a landline phone right now because uh, that's the only way we could get this show done. I have a dialer on it too. It's not even a push button. Yeah, it's a, it's a rotary. That's what they yes. used, to, used to call. It. And it's a payphone actually. He's just feeding quarters. It is. I this. got pocket quarters here. <laughs> I'd rather be putting them into a Miss Pac-Man game. I'll tell you that. You should have used one eight hundred collect. Our sponsor for this week's podcast. Yeah, actually, he's just talking really fast. And uh, this is, you know, when you used to call collect, and you would just be like, "Mom, is Jeff? Come pick me up at the Seven Eleven." You know, and then you wouldn't get charged. Right. That's right. Listeners of a certain age have no idea what we're talking about right now. But I think our core audience is probably uh, probably knows Uh, myself. I've had a long PGA week. There is no excuse, Mark, but uh, I've been up at four o'clock every morning uh, because the golf on the West Coast is it's it waits for nobody. 
And uh, so we have, uh, due to those technical difficulties, Mark's story for this week is no longer. We will have to carry it over to next week. But we have got a very special episode of Wax Packs Heroes for you here that will hopefully get you your two-strike noise fix for this week. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Heroes. All right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? Um, you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, since I mentioned Lars earlier, I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, if you are going to go with the Cardinals, I uh, I am going to go with their traditional rivals this week. I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs. Very nice. This is the exciting part about this, Mark. I got some new cards in the mail this week. And yeah, uh, it is from a year that we have never done before. It kind of falls between some other years that we've done. But I got a box of 2000, year 2000 tops. So Sweet. the thing about these, in these packs, there are only eight cards. Uh, I've got two packs. I've got one on my left and one on my right. Which one would you like? Right side. Right. Okay. So I'm going to put mine down there because I'm going to go second as usual. Now included in these 2000 tops, randomly inserted Hank Aaron and Mark McGuire reprint and other great inserts. Mark McGuire was still playing in 2000, so I'm not sure why he was. So, so we could legitimately get pull a Hank Aaron. Yes, and... And get its stats for that year? Yeah, do, if we can <laughs> tell what year the card was, you know, if it's referencing a card, we're going to we're gonna use that year. So if this is a Maguire, if you pull Maguire, it could be a 98, and then you could be, you know, probably win with just gotcha. that card. But yeah. we'll see how it goes here as we uh, open our first pack of 2,000. All right. You don't have to lose any cards either because this is uh, well, there's only eight in this pack. All right. Your first card. Uh, we're going to start out with a rookie card. And this is this is great. He's a cheater. It is. <laughs> it is not Carlos Bayerga, as I originally my my uh, dyslexia read. It is none other than uh, Mets manager for a hot minute. It's Carlos Beltran. There you go. Carlos Beltran. Solid, solid outfielder. He was. He was a. I mean, he was a good player. Remember, uh, two thousand and four with Houston in the playoffs. He came over from Kansas City midseason, and he had a fantastic postseason. He hit four fifty five in the NLDS, four six. Uh, I'm sorry, four seventeen in the NLCS, and he parlayed that uh, postseason into a huge contract with the Mets. And uh, he went on to have a, a good career with the Mets, a bunch of other teams. Let's see, 2000, though, he appeared in 98 games for the Royals. This is coming off the Rookie of the Year 
campaign in 1999. He was hurt part of the year in 2000, ended up hitting 247. He had seven home runs, 44 RBI, 13 stolen bases without being caught. I like that number. And a 69 OPS. And all of that will lead to a .9 war. Starting in the positive. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Nothing else on this card is going to get you anything. He's got his pants pulled all the way down over his high tops, which is not a good look. Never been a fan of that look. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Beltran, as we said, cheater. Uh, Cheater on the uh, the Astros. Manager for the Mets for a hot minute until he was... uh, outed as a cheater his nicknames though the new mr october mr october jr and senor octubre Ah, nice i mean he had good numbers in the postseason overall but boy he really really made a name for himself in that postseason with houston all right so you're in, in the positive here next uh oh boy i remember this guy i liked this guy well he was on the team when ricky was on the team here here with the new york mets it's roger sedanio Oh, I remember Roger Sedano, yeah. I think he had pretty good speed. We got you got two Mets so far. And your next guy was yeah. a former Met too, I can see here. But Roger Sedano, eleven years in the big leagues. Two thousand Sedano was actually on your Astros. So far you don't have anybody that's played a whole season in two thousand. Yeah. Only appeared in seventy four games. Hit two eighty two with a three eighty three on base. That's nice. Stole twenty five bases. Knocked in 26 and had an OPS of 93. All of that will equal a war of 0.5. Now, the good news for you, I can't see his stirrups because, again, tucked into the shoes. But I can see his jersey number on his sweatband. Oh, nice. So that'll be a positive 0.6. Also in this card is Philly's third baseman, Scott Rowland, with some shades on. I, I, I can't give you that. No, no, but it's uh, nice to have some background art. No, I I love cards where you can see other players on them, too. So Roger Cedeno is the, his nephew is Jan Hervis Salarte, who has played in the big leagues a bit. Last appeared in 2019. He had six years in the big leagues and was his, is his nephew. But I'm seeing here that Salarte's nickname was Sexy Time. (laughs) <laughs> one of my other nicknames of course we don't use that one on the show but <laughs> all right uh your next card like i said he also played for the mets and he's a hall of famer it is Beautiful. none other than mr pedro martinez here with the red Sox. gotta love pedro yeah i'm not sure you have to i i was not a particularly a big fan of his I, i'm a fan of pedro i can recognize he was a Just a fantastic pitcher. One of the best pitchers of the 90s and 2000s for sure. Never played for my team, so I didn't particularly care for him. But 219 and 100 mark over 18 years. Impressive record. A career 293 ERA. In the year 2000, you're going to like this a lot. Cy Young. Back-to-back Cy Young. And the third in four years winning the Cy Young Award. Came in fifth in the MVP voting, also an all-star that year. Went 18-6 and six with a 1.74 ERA. 284 strikeouts to lead the league in 217 innings and an ERA plus of 291. Whoa. Wow. That might be the closest we've ever seen to 300. For an yeah. ERA plus. That is. No kidding. There is so much black ink here. It would be easier to read you the categories he did not lead the league in. That is just impressive. All of this equals a war. Oh, man. Of 11.7. You gotta be kidding That me. is the record in the in Wax Pack Zeros right there. In one season, 11.7. 11.7. Plus, he's a Hall of Famer. He won the Cy Young Awards. You get half a point for that. And he was an all-star, so you get another half a point for that. So that's a whole point equal for the Cy Young and the all-star. 11.7, so that's 12.7. And then another point for being a Hall of Famer is 13.7. Man, you might have just won right there. Thank you, Pedro. 
see what happens. Like he comes on, I t- start talking about how much I like him, you know, returns the favor. I have less ambivalence and more hatred. No, I, it's Pedro Martinez. He's fantastic pitcher. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on to your next card here. Uh, by the way, you're at 15.2 after three cards. Uh, next, you've got a rookie card here with the Boston Red Sox, Brian Dabak. Oh, man, I remember Brian Dabak. First baseman, Boston Red Sox, right? Yep, first baseman, DH, Brian Dabak. The Belleville Basher from Belleville, Illinois. Uh, Let's see, eight years in the big leagues. I would have guessed a little bit more than that, but there you go. Uh, Year 2000, appeared in 142 games, hit 248, 21 home runs, 76 RBI, a 89 OPS plus. Yikes. And let's see, all of that will equate to a war of 0.2. And nothing on this card is going to help you out. But, I mean, after Pedro, do you really need a whole lot more? I'm not sure. So this is, uh, this is interesting. In uh, 2000, he was involved in a bench-clearing brawl between the Red Sox and the Rays. And if you remember, there were a lot of those. Those two teams did not oh. get along. And Pedro was part of that at one point. During the fight, Dabak unintentionally injured his own teammate Lou Marloni who was sent to the hospital with a with an oh. undisclosed injury as the oh. game picked up after this brawl the Rays pitchers threw at Dabak six times hitting him twice Jeez. wow <laughs> and uh guess who was on the uh, guess who was on the hill for the Red Sox that day it must have been Pedro it was Pedro Martinez exactly Okay, so you are at 15.4, and we've got an insert, Mark. Okay. Uh, We've got a Mark McGuire insert here. There is nothing here that dictates a year, though. It just says 20th century's best. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to give you the 2000 McGuire. We'll We'll give you his stats for 2000. That makes sense. Which is probably going to be pretty good regardless. Uh, Let's see. Year 2000, his second to last season, he was an all-star still, only appeared in 89 games, hit uh, 32 home runs still, 73 RBI, a 305 average, a 483 on base, and a 177 OPS plus. And all of that equals a 4.2 war. He was an all-star, so that'll be 4.7. And nothing else on this card is going to help you. But, I mean, 4.7 is is still very, very good. Another big score. Yeah. Next, you have got, oh, wow. This guy is, this guy had an incredible career. I think he was so underrated. I got to see him coming up through the minors, through AAA. It is with the Phillies, Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu, El Come Dolce, or La Leche. Something about milk and dessert? I... I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> Those were his nicknames. Uh, let's see. 18 years in the big leagues. Very nice. Only an all-star twice. That is very hmm. surprising. I think it's just, you know, a crowded outfield for his time playing because he was a great player. In 2000 with the Phillies, appeared in 154 games. 289 average, 393 on base, 546 slugging. 31 home runs, 110 RBIs, 36 stolen bases. Remember the 30-30 club right there? And a 142 OPS plus. All of that equals a 6.2 war. Wow. Very nice. Man, these are some some huge. I mean, this is steroid era. So we're getting some big numbers. <laughs> but, man, you've, you've pulled some good, uh, some good cards here so far. The numbers are, yes, pumped up. Yeah. One of only seven players to ever record 900 career extra base hits and steal at least 400 bases. The other names, Barry Bonds, Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, Craig Biggio, Honus Wagner, and Paul Molitor. Those guys are all pretty good. Yeah, I think I think mm, I've heard of most of them. Yeah. <laughs> Just think if you're a... You're a first-time listener to this, and you're like, these guys really haven't heard of those guys? They're not familiar? <laughs> Dated former Miss Universe. 
couldn't seal the deal, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I told you his nickname was El Comedolce in Venezuelan. That roughly translates to the candy eater. Okay. So that was his father's nickname. And his father passed away, and Abreu asked that they start calling him that in honor of his father. Ah, okay. So they had a lot of candy in that family. Yeah. So his father did not play in the big leagues. I'm guessing he probably played somewhere, but all right. So you're at 26.3. Boy, you got another, this is another great guy. This is a fun pack. These are some names we haven't heard before. Uh, This guy was a great pitcher in the nineties, in the nineties, especially here with the guardians. It's Charles Nagy. Oh yes. Chuck Nagy. Chuck Nagy was a, Absolutely solid. What he pitched for 15 years or so? 14 Just, years, yep. He was a starter for almost all of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, uh, in 93, he was injured. But from 91 to 99, he had double-digit wins every single year. Year 2000, not as kind to him, though. Uh, was injured again. He was starting to wind down his career. 11 games, 11 starts, 2-7 and seven with an 8.21 ERA. Ouch. So, yeah, you you picked the one bad year. That's a minus point nine. That's going the other way. Finally, for you, I think we've had Nagy before because I mentioned the basketball player that spelled their name that way and was Naj, and that always screwed me up. But <laughs> Charles Nagy, man, he was just he was one of those he was one of those guys in the in the nineties that you just knew was going to be good. Yeah, he just gave him the ball. Send him out there every fifth day, and he was going to throw you a good game. Yep. All right, so you're at 25.4. Next, you've got Houston Astros outfielder Richard Hidalgo. Remember, there was a na- uh, a movie called Hidalgo that came out. It was about a horse. And a big old Mortensen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my my wife loves horses, and so I remember that. And um, I remember this guy had a couple of big years. He, uh, well, 2000 was one of them. He got MVP votes this year. Never made an all-star team, but in 2000, he hit 314 with a 391 on base and a 636 slugging percentage, 44 home runs, 122 RBI, 13 stolen bases, and a 147 OPS plus. Yikes. That is good for a 6.3 war. Very nice. Man, uh, those are some big numbers. Uh, Nine years in the big leagues. That was easily his best year. I am wondering if there was any enhancement on his part. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. He went from home runs 2, 7, 15, 44, 19, 15. 50, yeah. <laughs> There's an anomaly on there somewhere. Yeah, there's kind of Brady uh, Brady Anderson like uh, like home run totals there. But uh, yeah, I don't see anything steroid related here in his uh, in his other stuff 2002 he was shot in the left forearm during an attempted carjacking in venezuela i'm assuming that somebody was trying to carjack him not him trying to right that that would be my assumption as well (laughs) we're gonna make that assumption and then in early 2008 hidalgo decided you know what in my backyard here in florida i'm gonna create my own life-size field of dreams Good idea if you got, you know, if you can do it, right? Sure. Well, yeah. they, the uh, HOA voted him down. So, oh. And HOA is the worst. That's not very fair. Your final card of this pack is pitcher for the Texas Rangers, Jeff Zimmerman. Pretty sure he was a closer. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about him. Oh, wow. He only pitched for three years. Huh. I so, do remember him being a closer, but yeah. three years. Yeah, so he was a closer really for one year, his final year in 2001, where he had 28 saves. I've got to guess he just blew his elbow or his shoulder out, something fierce. But uh, in 2000, he was an all-star his rookie year. His second year, the uh, 2000 year, he went four and five with a 5.3 ERA and one save. So uh, definitely a... A sophomore slump there. And that equals a minus, or no, I'm sorry, a positive 0.3 still. Really? And uh, you know what? I I can't give you stirrups here because he's just got red socks. I can see no arch. 
So I can neither uh, give you or take away points for that. So you're just going to get a point three. You confirmed nor denied. Yeah, I can neither uh, go one way or the other. But, you know, that is going to give you a total of 32. <laughs> wow. That is incredible. Okay, so Zimmerman had three major surgeries on his elbow, including two Tommy John surgeries. He wow. eventually did come back, pitched some in the minors in the Arizona Fall League, but he was never able to return back to the major leagues. He did sign a three-year, $10 million contract, though. He's living He's well. Retired, okay, yeah. Did you know this, though? In 2009, he came out of retirement and signed a minor league deal with the Mariners because, of course, he did. <laughs> but he did not he did not uh, make it back to the big leagues. All right, Mark. So you have uh, come in with a 32, which is I don't know. We'll see what I got here. Uh, you had a great pack. These are some steroid numbers and uh, some some big names. Let's see if I can come anywhere close to that. I am going to start off. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to start off with somebody's dad. Uh, I'm going to start off, and uh, unfortunately for me, he's a member of the Cardinals, so I'm in the hole already uh, by half a point. It is Fernando Tate Sr. Oh, yes, Mr. Grand Slam. All right, let's see. Sr. played for 11 years in the big leagues, played for several teams. In the year 2000, he was still with the Cardinals, only appeared in 96 games, hit 253. 18 home runs, 64 RBI, and a 117 OPS plus. I like that at least. And that will equal a 1.6 war. Nothing on this car. Oh, he's got eye black on, so that'll help me out. That'll get me to a 1.7 to start off with. I like that. The uh, multiple grand slams in one inning, that was in 99. He had a big year in 99. Yeah, he sure did. 31 doubles, 34 home runs, 107 RBIs. Uh, let's see, he was the last New York Met to wear uniform number 17, which was then removed from circulation for Keith Hernandez and now is going to be retired this upcoming season. All right, so that's a, that's a decent way to start off. Next, I have got a season highlight card from Chicago White Sox Chris Singleton. Let's see, Chris Singleton, six years in the big leagues, uh, one with the A's in 2003 that I absolutely do not remember. <laughs> uh, let's see, 2000, though, was his second year in the big leagues. He came in sixth in Rookie of the Year voting the year before. In 2000, 147 games, he hit 254, only a 301 on base, 11 home runs, 62 RBIs. All of these are lower numbers than his rookie season, and he played more games this year. A 71 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 1.2. And uh, nothing on this card is going to help me out. I think Chris Singleton did White Sox games on, on WGN as a color guy for a little bit. All right. So after two cards, I'm at 1.9. Well behind your pace uh, at this point. Uh, well, next, It's not about pacing. It's about dropping the big card. Yes. Well, this guy, man, I remember this guy a lot because he was with the Marlins. He is here in this card. And so I saw him a ton in Atlanta. Because uh, this was right at the time I was I was sitting right behind home plate for the fish. It's second baseman Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo. There have been a couple Luis Castillos. This guy was a leadoff batter and he had some speed. There is a current Luis Castillo who is a pitcher for the uh, the Reds, or at least yes. used to be. I don't know, they might have jettisoned him already. <laughs> uh, Fifteen years in the big leagues for this Luis Castillo, ten of which were in Florida. Uh, I like this. In the year 2000, he led the league in steals with 62, but also wow. caught stealing. Hit 334 and on base of 418. These are Ricky Henderson-like numbers. Wow. Uh, get this, though. In 136 games, 17 RBI. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real leadoff batter right there. All it sequence yeah. to a war of 4.5. Well, not bad. Yeah, I'll take it. Can't see anything on this card that's going to help me out. I think he used to have his jersey numbers on his sweatbands, but again, I can't see it, so not really going to help me out a whole lot. Okay, next. Oh, this I'm hoping for some big uh, for some big points here. This guy is one of those guys that you know people say was a, a fringe Hall of Famer, 
and never got the the respect he deserved. Carlos Delgado of the Blue Jays. Man. He had pop. Remember he was on the I remember he could hit like if he got a hold of one, he he could crush it. Yeah, the Blue Jays and the Mets. And then he spent one year with Florida in 2005. 2000, though, good for me, all-star. I like it. Came in fourth in MVP voting. Led the league in doubles and total bases, as well as hit by pitch. He hit 41 home runs, 136 RBI, batting average of 344, on base of 470, and a 664 slugging for a 181 OPS+. I've Ouch. got real high hopes here. That equates to a 7.3 war, plus the uh, all-star nice. will be a 7.8. That was a good score for you. Yeah, I like that. Carlos Delgado, man. 17 years in the big leagues, 473 home runs. That is almost right. to that that plateau of 500, where it certainly used to be automatic Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. I don't know. Did uh, did Carlos Delgado's name get bantered around with with steroids? I don't recall anything for him. I don't see anything linking him to steroids, which is good. What do you think a career two eighty hitter with four hundred seventy three home runs, you know, three eighty three career on base? Those are some pretty good numbers for consideration. Yeah, I mean, he really had a good good career, fantastic career. Also. Boy, a really good guy off the field does a lot of charity work. His hero was Roberto Clemente and has followed in his footsteps in terms of helping people out, especially in in Puerto Rico, his home. Wow. His uh, his Wikipedia page on social activism is almost as long as his player page. That's always a good thing good for him. Good for you, That's Carlos. great. All right. Next, I've got catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, Mike Lieberthal. He was their catcher for a long time, wasn't he? I believe so. Let's see. Mike Lieberthal played for 14 years in the big leagues, 13 with the Phils. So, yeah, I'd say he was there for a while. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> uh, 2000, back his second of back-to-back all-star years. I like that. Won a gold glove in 99 behind the dish. Hit 278, 15 home runs, 71 RBI, and a 106 OPS+. plus. That is good for a 2.4, plus the all-star is a 2.9. These are good chunks, but man, that Pedro, that Pedro score really uh, set you apart. Yeah, that one is going to be remembered for all of history. Yes, even beyond this podcast. Yes. Well, I don't remember this. In 2000, as an all-star, at the all-star game, he was involved in a collision with Bernie Williams that resulted in an ankle injury that knocked him out for the rest of the season. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. I don't either. Came back the uh, the next year, though, and won the NL Comeback Player of the Year Award. So that's good. Throughout 30 36% of runners trying to steal in 96. Wow. Very good. Uh-oh. We've got film and TV appearances. Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. So he uh, appeared in the Freddie Prinz Opus Summer Catch in 2001, along with Doug Glanville and Pat the Bat Burl. Let's see. Also, a bobblehead of Lieberthal is often seen in the show The Office. It's on Dwight's desk. Part of his uh, part of his row of bobbleheads there. Pop culture reference. Yep. Love The Office. All right. So I'm at 17.1. I have got a special insert card here. Power players. There's a lot of reflective silver here. This guy, I can tell you, was... 100% 100% on the juice. It is Juan gone. Juan Gonzalez. Hit a lot of home runs. Uh, he did. I mean, that's what steroids will help with. That, that certainly uh, never hurt, I don't think. <laughs> Igor, also a nickname, in uh, 2000 was his lone year in Detroit. Let's see. He hit 289. Uh, slugging a 505, he hit 22 home runs, 67 RBI, a 116 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 1.9. Not a whole lot of help there from Igor. 
Let's see. He played for 17 years in the big leagues. He hit 434 home runs. Lifetime average of 295. I wouldn't have thought he hit that high. Hmm. Uh, 343 on base for his uh, his career as well. Uh, was once traded uh, for Frank Catalanato and Bill Hasselman. <laughs> there's, <laughs> it's, there's the Mariner connection right there. There it is. So his nickname, Igor, is a name that he gave himself as a nine-year-old. He wanted to become a professional wrestler, and he nicknamed himself Igor the Magnificent. (laughs) And he still loves wrestling. He says today he's still a fan of wrestling. So good for him. Okay, wow, I got back-to-back inserts. Uh, I like this, and this one is a Hall of Famer. Uh I'm sensing life. I've got two cards left here, and they're both Hall of Famers, so... (laughs) This is another 20th century best. This one for batting average, and it is Mr. Padre Tony Gwynn. That could be a good one for you. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Let's see. Also, Captain Video. I like that nickname. That, of course, because Tony, one of the first guys that used uh, video of game footage to to watch and see what he was doing right, what he was doing wrong. Steady pitchers. Well, unfortunately, uh, Tony Gwynn retired in 2001. So 2000, he was just kind of there for the Padres. Um, <laughs> not uh, not his best year, exactly. Uh, let's see. He only appeared in 36 games. He still hit 323, though. You're not going to teach. He hit 324 his final year in 71 games and a 338 career average. My goodness. Led the league in hitting eight times. I like that. Yeah, he was pretty good. Probably not going to get much from him here. War-wise, a point four. He does have two and ones on, so that's a point three. I do get a whole point for a Hall of Fame, so it'll be a 1.3. So he got me the exact same as Igor did, but he's a lot cooler. All right, that'll take me to my last card. I need... Uh, you finished with 32. I'm at 20.3. I am. I, I do have a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure he's going to give me those Pedro numbers. It is Mike Mussina. Wow. Definitely uh, found somebody with a storied career. Yeah. So let's see here. Mussina in 2000, uh, he led the league in innings pitched, went 11 and 15 with a 3.79 ERA. I don't think the Orioles were very good in 2000. They were 74 and 88, uh, 210 strikeouts. I like that. A 125 ERA plus. He came in sixth in the Cy Young voting this year, and that is good for a 5.7 war. Plus, he's a Hall of Famer will get me 6.7, but that is going to fall well short. Of your 32, I ended up with 27. So they're high scores, though, for eight cards. That is, vi- yeah, those are very high scores. All right, Mark, so you are at 19 wins. You are, you're one away from popping the champagne in we the are locker room. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we do have express written permission from Pat Riley to use the word three-peat. Because that's what you're in. I mean, you're so far ahead, 19 to 9. You, you've pretty much got It's just a matter of time. We hope we can wrap it up. Are suggesting I send in a mop-up man? No, I'm suggesting you just okay. put me out of my misery because we've got some new <laughs> rules that I'm excited about. And I want, yeah. I want to institute them. But, Mark, that was a lot of fun. These 2,000 cards should be should be fun. I got a whole box of them, too. So we'll... Yeah, that was a like a different crop of, of things to talk about. Yeah. And some big scores too. Big scores. Yeah. But we'll big, intersperse those along with, uh, along with the eighties and nineties that we've been doing. And, uh, yeah, I'll be on the lookout for more of these kind of boxes that we can buy. But again, uh, we apologize for the shorter show, but, uh, Hey, you know, if somebody wants to sign us to an exclusive deal or we can do this full time, we are accepting offers. I'm just putting yeah. it out there. Uh, you got to pay us, obviously. But uh, yes. that's going to wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. If this was not enough for you, we are on the internet 24-7 for you. We do it for you, the listener. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O, Strike Noise, on Twitter, on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, anywhere that you can uh, put in the word Two Strike Noise, we will show up somewhere. 
So uh, you can also do that if you put it into an email form that Mark's going to tell you about. Sure, you can reach us at Two Strike Noise. Again, spell it out, T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. All right, Mark, hopefully you can, uh, you know, get your electronics in in some semblance of order for next week because we're going to be back even if we've just got to open packs of baseball cards and that's all we do we're going to be here so that's right <laughs> we uh we should be back to normal next week but i can't always make you know i can't i don't want to write these checks i, I can't cash but uh, hopefully you will join us back here again next week for the next episode of two strike noise thank you god bless you have a great day <laughs>